Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nejdet Satoryan. I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. Our guest today was Gorg Nazaryan, the managing director of talent initiatives at Teach for Armenia. We spoke about the general state of education in the country and how Teach for Armenia is working on addressing gaps in the sector. Gorg also shared with us the Tech for Armenia initiative, a program that sends tech professionals to teach computer science in the regions of Armenia. Thank you for listening. Gorg, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting. Gorg, I want to start with a little bit about uh, Teach for Armenia before we get to Tech for Armenia. Tell us a little bit about uh, the story of Teach for Armenia and how long you guys have been working on developing education system outside of Yerevan. Thanks, Najdirjan, for inviting. To tell the story of Teach for Armenia, I guess it's really important to learn slightly more about the overall challenges in the sphere of public education of Armenia where Teach for Armenia is operating for almost 10 years already. According to official statistics, we have around 700 teacher shortage in rural Armenia. In some of the schools, a lot of times, uh, the shortage is not just a temporary one, but it has a like chronic nature, meaning for years and years, uh, kids go to school and they never met a teacher of math, for instance, mm. a teacher of English, etc. According to teams, we have huge challenges with natural sciences, as well as maths. 16 to 28% of our students, school students, they have numerous issues. We have even harsh situation with understanding of natural sciences. The literacy is another big challenge. Again, according to official statistics, every third child in the elementary school is functionally illiterate, meaning they either cannot read or write, or even if they can read, they have a hard time of understanding the content of the text. Does that continue on throughout high school, or does, do the numbers get better? Uh, that school? one is that one is particular for elementary subjects. I haven't met, to be honest, the statistics for the mid school or the high school. And uh, just to clarify one thing, earlier you said we have a shortage of seven hundred teachers in yeah. rural Armenia. Do we count rural Armenia as anywhere outside of Yerevan, or yeah, are we yeah. counting... So regional Armenia probably so cities like Vanadzorg yeah. and Gyumri yeah. and stuff. I mean, we have shortages in Yerevan too. Right. We definitely have shortages in Vanadzorg, Gyumri, etc. But the primary or the critical shortages are, of course, in uh, villages, in the bordering communities, in the mountainous communities. But it's overall. And yeah. it's not just for several uh, years now. It has been with us for a long time. Moreover, uh, more than half of existing teachers are at the age of 50 plus. Some of them are 60 plus, meaning they are close to retiring age. What's the retirement age for teachers in Armenia? 63. When we look at the trends, let's say, of admissions to some of the faculties, especially those who are preparing teachers, we will see very, I would say, set dynamics there. In Shirak State University, for instance, which is also a pedagogical university, they first had faculties for STEM education, then they merged all to one faculty. And then now, uh, I think a couple of years ago, they just closed that faculty. We have very few people who are studying, let's say, physics or maths in the pedagogical university. When we look to the existing gap, to the projected tendencies and to the so-called supply of the talent, it's incomparable. And this is the reality that we have for years and years. And in back in 2013, our founder and CEO, Larissa Hovanesian, who is an alumni of Teach for America, uh, a similar organization to Teach for Armenia, has returned to Armenia with the idea of creating 
a similar program which would address challenges of educational system in Armenia. After a huge efforts that she made, of course, no one was believing at the time that someone will go to a rural community, stay there for two years, teach at school, do community development, etc. This was 2013, 14, 15. Eventually, in 2015, our first cohort of teachers, consisting of 14 members, entered the school and started the change. And currently, we have around 200 teacher leaders across Armenia and Artsakh who are teaching at school, who are doing extracurricular activities, and who are working on the community innovation. So what we essentially do, we have a vision that each and every child in Armenia has to have an access to excellent education. Mm-hmm. We do it primarily to our two-year program called Teacher Leadership Program. When we recruit uh, people of different backgrounds, we train them and place in the most underserved communities of Armenia and Artsakh. And besides the initial training, we continuously support them. There is a content support, there is methodological support, there are mentors, coaches attached to them who help them in the classroom, who, who guide them in the community, etc., etc. And of course, it's not a volunteering program. So our teacher leaders are considered as school staff. They are officially re- registered at school. And they, in addition to the school salary, they are also receiving uh, monthly financial aid from Teach for Armenia to cover expenses related to relocation, to the creating their life in the new community. And of course, they are part of huge network locally, nationally, and even internationally, I would say. We offer them a lot of professional development opportunities. When they are finishing the program, the two-year program, we create pathways for our alumni to support them in their further growth and in their further impact. We can talk more maybe later about those pathways, but they include social innovation, non-profit management, academy, school leadership. Who are the types of people that apply to be a part of Teacher Armenia? It's quite diverse, I would say. So we have people who are recent graduates, so they graduate from university, and I think this is a great opportunity for them to start a career. What type of students are they? Are they students from like education programs? or No, any, anything? not necessarily education programs. I would even say a lot of times they are students from non-education programs. We have people from maths faculty of Yerevan State University, international relations, Polytechnical University, etc., etc. I'm not familiar with the process of becoming a teacher in Armenia. So, for instance, in, in Canada, after studying some subject, you go to teacher's college and receive postgraduate certificate in, in education so that you can teach. In Armenia, what's the process to becoming a certified or qualified teacher in a subject? So it's a quite interesting topic, actually. So previously, in order to become a teacher, you were supposed to have a teacher certification as part of your bachelor's or master's degree. Starting last year, the law has been amended and there is the certification course of 30 credits, which allows people without teacher uh, certification go through this, get the certification and teach in schools where the vacancy of teacher has not been filled two times. Mm. In case of STEM teachers, even this requirement of two times is not there. So you can directly teach with that certification. And I think that's a very important, critical amendment to the law that took place because, as I said, we have a huge shortage. The current system is not able to provide the necessary quantity and quality of the teachers. And this is an alternative pathway for people who are interested or who will be interested 
to get the certification and start teaching at school. So at the moment, Teach for Armenia and the Pedagogical University are the two organizations who are providing such certification. In our case, we are providing that certification for those people who are committing to our two-year program. How long does it typically take to go through the certification? In our case, it's eight weeks of intensive summer academy plus uh, the five weeks of online pre-service training. Mm-hmm. So actually, vice versa, five weeks of online pre-service and then the summer academy of right. eight weeks. Interesting. How many teachers have you guys had to date? You mean until now? Yeah. So we have around 250 alumni, and at the moment we have around 200 teachers. Wow. So the first cohort in 2015 was 14, and eight years later it's 200. 200, two cohorts together. Like, it's a two-year program. Got it. 100 a year. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so Teach for Armenia is a more general uh, education program. And then last year you guys launched the Tech for Armenia initiative, which is focused towards essentially doing Teach for Armenia for computer science education in the regions. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Just before Tech for Armenia, if you would allow, I think it's really important to note that as an organization, we're not striving to fill all the teacher shortage. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not our core business, I would say. What we are trying to achieve is a transformation in society and in the system. What we envision for us that by the time of 2050, uh, there would be no need of Teach for Armenia in its current format, at least. And so we're basing our strategy on the sociological theories of tipping point, critical mass, which say that if you work with the 10 to 30 percent of the society for a long period of time, you can achieve a transformation. And at the moment, we are working with almost 20% of students of public school in rural Armenia, I think, which is the scale we want to keep until 2050. And by the time that the children who are born now, they will have a chance to achieve impact in their communities with their own power, with their own capacity. It's a really interesting way to sort of track the progress you guys will make over the next few decades. Um, So you said the goal is to reach some tipping point where the program in its current format is no longer needed. Would that tipping point be reached because so many of your participants are becoming full-time teachers even after the two years? Or how do you envision that gap being filled by you guys causing that tipping point? Several ways. Definitely some of our teacher leaders in their alumni who even now they stay at school and they continue teaching. Uh, Some others, they are contributing to educational system in different ways. They are in education management in the local level, national or international. Like uh, one of our alumni is an education program manager for International Red Cross, for instance. When we look to the education development program until 2030, adopted last year by the government, we see a lot of changes, a lot of amendments, a lot of ideas that we have been practicing for many, many years. This is also an achievement. We want to make sure that by the time I mentioned, by 2050, there is enough systemic and humankind capacity to not only fill the gap of teacher shortage, but overall to have a completely different uh, level of public education. And I think our students have a very critical role in that. People who are being taught in the schools that we exist, because they definitely see receive a lot of education skills they definitely see impact that our teacher leaders are making in their communities they have better opportunities for their further career they are also inspired by the ideas that we have and they together with our alumni together with the overall ecosystem they can make sure that we not only have an impact in the classroom and community but there is a systemic impact making sure that by 2050 we have a completely different environment And I'm glad that 
for instance, even now we have uh, former students of us who are joining Teach for Armenia, mm. who are joining our two-year program. They didn't have a teacher prior to us, and then now they are teaching right. at schools. Right, like, like people who were students. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, let's get to Tech for Armenia. Sure. Tell us a little bit about what the, the program is. So as I mentioned, out of 700, almost half of it, uh, the shortage of teachers is about the STEM subjects. And for years and years, uh, we have been trying different recruitment strategies to engage STEM specialists to the field of education. Sometimes we are successful, sometimes not so. Uh, but I think after 2020, in particular, there was a clear understanding that we need to do something. The war also demonstrated how critical it is to clearly have proper STEM education, which would be a foundational for further development of various industries. At the same time, we had a feedback from tech community. When we were trying to engage them to our core program, people working there would say, it's hard for us to stop our career for two years, not because of the salary or anything else, but because the industry will move so fast that by the time we graduate from Teach for Armenia, we would be much behind. behind. Yeah. So with all that, we thought, okay, we need to create a platform of collaboration between Teach for Armenia, the communities, and tech sector. We would offload our program, which normally is a, requires a full-time commitment. We would offload our program. We would primarily focus on the school education, and we would offer this to the tech sector, meaning we would ask tech companies to allow their staff to work remotely, commit 15 hours a week to teach for Armenia and the school. Out of those 15 hours, seven or eight, they would be teaching in school, and the rest of the time, which is quite flexible, evenings, weekends, etc., they would need to spend preparing for the classes and community activities. And they will still get the financial aid from us, and they will go through the whole training process I was describing earlier. Why the company should join this? Because... The realities that we have in the schools is directly impacting the industry. Each year we would hear that there are thousands of vacancies in tech sector that are never filled. They are not filled because there are not enough people in school who are getting the respective education. There are few people who are getting university education and few of them join the industry. And even those who join, there is a huge lag in their fundamental knowledge. And so the bigger companies, they would create their own academies, universities, training centers, etc. But if you talk to all of them, they would admit that sometimes they need to teach a school-level maths, school-level physics, in order to teach the coding, in order to teach uh, the rest of the things that are needed to become a specialist. And so instead of just competing with the salaries and the... I don't know, benefit packages, etc., because that creates a bubble, like you cannot infinitely increase uh, those opportunities. We are suggesting to do an investment in the talent. Let's invest now just 15 hours of our employees, not everyone, of course, those who would be interested, to the school education, create opportunity for the kids now, maybe organize extracurricular activities, let's say coding classes, and the best of them can join as an interns, as a volunteers to the company. So it's an early access to the talent to which you would never reach previously, because normally we are reaching the same talent in Yerevan, in the bigger cities, etc., etc. And through this program, we will create the educational opportunity, educational access to thousands and thousands of kids, which in turn eventually will fill in gaps in the talent pipeline that we have now. In addition, I believe that 
when we attract talent from, uh, let's say, leading the most attractive industry of Armenian labor market, uh, that's also contributing to the prestige of education, to the prestige of teaching specialization, etc. Because it shows that even if you are in the best workplace, it's still important for us to think about something bigger. It's such a great way of aligning interests. Yeah. yeah. And in addition, if you go through the program, the employees will have a huge training, which, of course, develop their social skills, soft skills, project management, fundraising, communications, management, etc., etc., which is also very important because this, those are the skills that normally a lot of tech professionals are lacking, which causes them later to have challenges when they are becoming on the management positions. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a win-win situation. We invest in the talent with the mid-term and long-term opportunities. We develop our existing talent and we are providing access to education to kids. I'm glad that currently we have a person. So we have an employee of Render Forest Armenia who is teaching informatics or computer science in Gotaik region. Render Forest was one of the first who believed in the idea and I'm glad that Karen is already leading by example. He's already doing the extracurricular activities. He's already demonstrating that even within six months how much we can achieve if we work. And so we are currently in an active phase of scaling it. We are talking to the companies or doing presentations. How many companies are a part of it now? The Render Forest and Instigate, the whole Instigate group, are the big supporters of the initiative. Like recently, I was doing a tour across all the Instigate offices telling about the Tech for Armenia opportunity. Uh, We're doing presentations with other organizations as well. We currently have a person from One Market Data in our selection pipeline, and we have a lot of arrangements to host presentations and see. At this moment, the real partnership exists between the Instigate and Render Forest. There is a variable support, there is a variable commitment, but it's really important that at all levels, we encourage also our employees to be part of this. It's not an easy decision. Right. The 15 hours that the participants work is in addition to the standard 40 hours that they're working. It also depends on the company. So the employer can decrease the load, for instance, and keep the salary. That's, by the way, a commitment by Instigate. Sometimes from one of the upcoming presentations we are going to have, they were saying the employer should keep the 40 hours and in addition to that, do the tech for Armenia aspect. But they are open to the relocation. They are open to the remote work. They are open to the flexible working hours, so which is highly appreciated. It depends on the nature of the company, definitely. Like uh, we should distinguish between product companies versus outsourcing companies, for instance. I think even with the full-time capacity, it's still feasible. I guess we all know that many, many tech professionals, they are freelancing out of their full-time job. I think with the commitment of relocation and flexible working hours, it's definitely possible to allocate the respective amount of time. Yeah, 15 hours is not a huge amount of time. There's a lot of remote-first companies in Yevon to begin with. So, But in the case of Instigate, for instance, they have offices all across the country. So could someone from Instigate Gorgis teach in a school in Gorgis through your program? It's important to know that the placement of teachers happens based on need. So the, the primary factor we are considering is the the need of kids, the need of schools. So it depends whether there are schools around Goris who are missing the teacher of that particular profession, right? right. Uh, which is a big parameter. Secondly, we believe it's very important for a teacher leader to do the relocation, actually, to be out of the comfort zone, to be... New community. Uh, in a new community, because this is 
a development opportunity for himself or herself. With the current legal arrangements, as I mentioned about the 30 credits, I think if someone wants us to teach, they can definitely do, even without teach for a minute, right. they can do the certification, and which is great. So that would be definitely a big help. But if you want to be part of the program to receive the benefits and to have the impact that we expect to have based on the experience we have over these past 10 years, it's important to do the relocation. Mm -hmm. But it still means that they can be placed, let's say, if you are from Sunic region, you can be placed in the Sunic region. Right. In the application form, every applicant is feeling prioritizing the regions. Right. So this current academic year, 2022-2023, is your first yeah, cohort? it's our first cohort. And how many participants have you guys had? Uh, with Tech for Armenia, just one uh, from Randa Forest. Oh, okay. We had seven or eight employees of different companies in the pipeline or selection, but at the end, Garen is the only one right. who is there. Right, okay. So he is the co-founder of Tech <laughs> right. uh, I met him on Friday and he was super enthusiastic about his, his work and it seemed like he was really enjoying it. I'm curious about this part about sort of out-of-class activities that the teachers are expected to prepare. Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe what is Gargan doing right now in Gotek with the students? Normally, with our standard track of teacher leaders, we are prioritizing extracurricular activities, and those activities can be about different things based on the preferences of that person, based on the need of the community, uh, based on the interest of children, etc., etc. What is very important that uh, we are practicing project-based learning or our own altered version of it called change-based learning, allowing to practice the knowledge they are receiving in the class within the real projects. And those projects are student-led. So students learn, they do the project, they get the support of the teacher, of course, uh, and some of those are getting financed as well. We have been doing this in extracurricular format since the COVID, since summer of 2020, because previously it was not allowed to do it as a primary instruction way in the classroom. But since the last September, so the whole country is expected to move to the project-based learning. So again, this is a great opportunity to shift from there. They can be subject-based, subjects of that the teacher leader is teaching. They can be RMAT labs, for instance. They can be clubs for, let's say, national dances, etc., etc. Some of them, they grow into the projects for the whole community, creating labs, uh, libraries, you may have heard about uh, Gradarak, mm -hmm. for instance, which is currently a social enterprise, actually. And it was started by uh, yeah, alumni, it's right? Uh, it's yeah, by Arusik, yeah. But it started as a project within Teach for Armenia right. when she was teaching English in Amra Kids. The way we envision it is that currently, so the way we envision it is in the first year, students are doing the projects. Then it, in the second year, it grows. And then in the alumni hood, when the teacher leader is, is finishing the two-year program, they can consider scaling of that project through our innovation incubator, startup innovation incubator called Guides, and of course, get funding for that. So this it's is a, through Tech for Armenia, Teach uh, for Armenia? It's for, all, it's for all Teach for Armenia alumni, uh, no matter they are Tech for Armenia or not. Guides is a very great opportunity for those who are interested in Startups, entrepreneurship, and that's the only way, uh, the only startup incubator, to my knowledge, that is focused on educational projects, educational startups. Specifically educational Specifically educational, yeah. yeah. We recently finished the first full cycle of it. Um, back in 2020, uh, we financed 
five startups with 25 million drums each no 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 like the 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 total one and then the two of them went to the second and third stages of of the incubation and finished so one of them is havasar it's an application uh, for providing more accessibility to the education the other one is zartini which is focused on the edible flowers but even those who didn't fully went through the kites innovation incubator for instance nordust we see their successes nordust for instance recently got the finance from the uh, high technology ministry if i'm not mistaken i think it's really important that you guys have targeted making the population interested in tech at a really young age especially in the regions because oftentimes there aren't necessarily employment opportunities for people outside of Yerevan to work in tech and for that reason if you engage their interests at a younger age when they're not yet thinking about how do I make money with the skill that I'm learning. Um, it's a way of you know catching them on early, I guess you could say. But one of the things that is often discussed is how do you make those skills applicable in their home regions or their hometowns? Is this something you guys think about or are you guys just focused on the first layer, which is just education? We believe that our communities are full of infinite potential opportunities. And our kids have the capacity, have the potential to unlock those opportunities. We don't want to regularly, continuously place teachers for two years and then replace them and then replace them. We want to make sure that those communities are becoming self-sustainable. We want to make sure that the communities are attractive. There is an efficiency there. There is a talent supply there. And so all this is connected. When we do our projects, community innovation projects, for instance, we focus on those aspects, right? On the educational aspects, we focus on the created opportunities, we focus on the, let's say, the long-term impact, the sustainability of those projects, etc., etc. First and foremost, there is what we are constantly observing is a big mindset shift. For instance... And this is not just for tech-specific subjects, but like overall about our communities. We had the cases when in one of our communities, parents were interviewed and they were asked, okay, what opportunities do you see in your community? And the answer was, oh, we don't see any opportunities. It's just a village in the middle of nowhere, etc., etc." And then the kids were asked the same question. And they would say, oh, there is this church. We want to create a bed and breakfast there in our house. We want to create a bio toilet for us so that the buses will stop there and then they will do some grocery shopping. There is a canyon where we can do the hiking tours. The opportunities are there. It's just, do we see them or we don't? And the same applies to the tech sector, for instance. If all kids receive an education in maths, physics, etc., it not necessarily mean that everyone will have a career orientation to the tech sector, right? But even those who would have, considering the current opportunities, right, the opportunity to work remotely, opportunities to do your own like startups, no matter where, wherever you are, with the right knowledge, with the right people around, with the right skills, I think those kids, future talent of our employment market, labor market, they will have an access to the opportunities. And vice versa, as I mentioned earlier, the companies here sitting in the Yerevan, headhunting from each other, trying to source every single candidate that meets their criteria, they will actually have an access to the talent they never had 
right. they don't have right now. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario where you both need the talent pool in order to bring companies and job opportunities to the regions. But you also need the job opportunities and the opportunities in order for people to be interested mm -hmm. in, in working on those skill sets and becoming professionals in that area. I think there's a lot of interesting things now happening for pushing more and more tech opportunities in the regions. But the work that you guys are doing at Tech for Armenia, Tumo is expanding into yeah. the regions. And there's also some companies now working to build sort of satellite offices mm -hmm. um, in the region. So I hope to see in the coming, let's say, decade that we'll see much more activity outside of Yerevan when it comes to tech. Gorg, in terms of recruitment, one thing that has become quite popular in the last maybe 10 years or maybe even earlier, just too young to remember, I don't know, especially in the U.S. and in the West is after graduating college, people will go and maybe teach English in China for two years or do a program like Teacher America and such. Do you guys recruit both within Armenia and the diaspora? We do recruit from diaspora and it's a big priority for us. We do that virtually. Sometimes when there are opportunities, we do the trips as well, meeting communities, raising awareness among diasporan youth about the existence of Teacher Armenia, about the way of contribution that they can have to their motherland. And I think it's um, it's very beneficial. It's about the global connectivity to all the communities where we are placing those people. It's about the exchange of huge knowledge and experience because they are graduates of very good universities yeah. across the globe. And also it's a great opportunity for them to contribute to their motherland, to learn about their motherland, to develop their mother language skills, yeah. Armenian skills. And we support them. Uh, we have relocation support with them for diasporans, like purchasing tickets, supporting with the paperwork. In the pre-service training, we are tutoring them with the Armenian language because, like, let's say, Western Armenian to Eastern Armenian transition or uh, just developing the existing level of language skills. So mm -hmm. it's it's a big priority for us. How many diasporan participants have you guys had at Teach for Armenia? Normally we are targeting on average to 10% per year. It's slightly more, slightly less. And the geography is quite wide. So right. we have people from United States, from Russia, Lebanon, Syria. We had someone from Austria. And those refers both to diaspora who moved from independent Armenia. Armenia, yeah, and of course to the diaspora who was there for traditional diaspora. Traditional diaspora yeah. yeah. Are you guys recruiting right now for Tech for Armenia for next year? Yeah, we are in active phase of recruitment right now. So uh, we are doing meetings with the companies. We are actively working on LinkedIn as well. You have seen also some mini campaigns uh, in social media in Facebook that we were doing, like Friday night talks about the Tech for Armenia. So if anyone is interested at least to learn more about the opportunities with Teach for Armenia or Tech for Armenia specifically, the best way is to find us on any social media yeah. and type in Teach for Armenia. And when's the deadline for applying for Tech for Armenia? It's April 15th. April 15th, okay. And Gorg, my last question, a little bit more going back to just education in Armenia generally. If you're looking out five to ten years from now, what's something really tangible that the country needs to focus on to have the most impact in improving the education system? I think there are like 
more than one layer. Like what's the 20% of stuff we need that would give 80% of the results? I definitely think we need to figure out the supply of talent to the educational system and the training of talent in the educational system, the advantages, benefits, the whole package that people who are working in this field, they are getting. Challenge and solution of educational uh, area are people. And if we want to build the capacity, if we want to have the Armenia about which we were talking yeah. uh, throughout this past 30 minutes probably, it's critically important to invest in the people, to make sure we have enough teachers, to make sure we have teachers who are well-trained and are ready to contribute to the further development. And, of course, they are receiving the right reputation, the remuneration. They feel like they're yeah. valued, right? They are Exactly, they are, feel, they are feeling valued. I think that's one of the most critical things we need to invest in. Do you look at that both culturally and from a policy level? Like from a policy level, it might just be increasing salaries by two, three times, for instance. But from a cultural perspective, like we often hear about how in the Finnish system in Finland, um, the status of a teacher, like the reputation of a teacher is as prestigious as what a lawyer or a doctor might be in the U.S. and stuff. Do you see cultural challenges in Armenia? There are, there are definitely cultural challenges. So at the moment, like if you look from the financial viewpoint, the government has created several ways of increasing teacher salary, right? Uh, but it wouldn't necessarily mean that hundreds of people will be in a queue to become a teacher. We need to make this position, this uh, role, this profession attractive. We need to make it... Uh, valuable we need to make sure that is respected at the moment i think there is a lot of demand to the teacher profession and what's really missing is the care we demand a lot from the teachers for instance but what do we provide them do we provide them mentorship do we provide them guidance do we equip them with the right tools knowledge skills do we support them with their challenges etc etc like imagine uh, i'm often bringing this example Imagine any company, what HR is doing. You're doing one-on-one interviews, uh, you're not doing team meetings, you're providing professional development plans, etc., etc. right? So for a very long time, there was a lot of demand from the teachers, but there is less for the teachers. Right. And I think this is a paradigm that should change. There is even this stereotype that uh, about the existing teachers, but... What we see, because like some of our teacher leaders are existing teachers, we also do a serent transformation project for the schools. And we work with the, the whole school, uh, with the existing teachers. But we see that people who have been there for years and years, for decades, they highly appreciate what they receive, the training, the attitude, the care, and they convert it to the knowledge to the success of their students. And we should definitely do that for all teachers. I think we could have another full hour conversation just about that. So we'll have to have you back on again someday to, Thank to you. talk about that. Thank you so much, Gore, for joining us. Thanks for inviting.